Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. I'm actually recording at a uh, Monday morning hour. It's uh, I'm a little bit late doing it, but I went to bed early last night. Just just wasn't feeling it, man. And so so here we are. So I apologize for those of you that maybe, maybe missed the show on the morning drive time, but uh, we'll get back on schedule uh, tomorrow night. Big day for me is I have to write the... Uh, you know, the first chapter in the brand new book, Dog Pile. That's the uh, brand new book that will be coming out later this year about Mississippi State's 2021 college baseball national championship season. It's going to be a lot of work this summer. Uh, the good thing is, is I don't have a lot going on this summer. This is supposed to be my year off. It's weird how life works. It was supposed to be my year off, and I'm going to have two books come out this year. And then I've already got plans for one next year that is not related to sports. Not a poetry book. Not a sports book, but it's something I'm really excited about. And so I'm the kind of person, though, that I always need something to look forward to. I just, I, you know, I'm just not a person that uh, kind of goes through life accidentally. I like to always have goals and things that I'm working on and, and things that excite me. And, and I'm excited to write this book. And so when I get done with this, I'll feed my dogs and then uh, I'll get to work. And I got to rough out about 15 chapters this month. And you can say, you know, see, that's a lot. It, yeah, it is. That's the plan. We're up at about 15 chapters this month, finish up the rest in August, and then that'll give us the month of September uh, to kind of finish the editorial process. And then hopefully we'll push a book out to print in October and hopefully have it in time for you guys uh, for Christmas. That's the plan. So I feel like in many respects that I owe this to you. I think after what we have experienced this year, the historic nature of the 2021 college baseball season, that it requires a remarkable effort. And so I'm going to work hard and get this thing done. I'm very, very excited about it. I've only got a handful of interviews to do. I have kept my interviews throughout the season because I learned some things, you know, in Mississippi State's recent run of athletic success. You know, once, uh, you know, State beat UConn, there was all this discussion with me and my publisher about if Mississippi State wins the NAFL Championship of Women's Basketball, we wanted to have a book about it. Well, I was kind of unprepared. And so, you know, we lost Notre Dame. You know, it's kind of like, well, now what do we do? And so the last couple of years, baseball-wise, 
I have always kind of kept that in the back of my mind that, hey, if we win it this year, I want to be prepared to write a book. And so I've made some notes throughout the season, kept those interviews. And so we're going to utilize that information to put this book together. Of course, we'll do some other interviews from from people You have to kind of get some color uh, about, you know, kind of what the season meant. Get, I got to talk to Chris Monas, John Cohen, Ron Polk, and some others. And so we're going to work on that. And it's going to be a um, it's going to be a lot of work, but I'm going to get it done because I know that you guys want to have an opportunity to have some keepsakes and to kind of commemorate this year. And it's not just about having a shirt. You know, eventually you're going to lose that shirt or it's going to get uh, torn up in the washer or the dryer. But it'd be nice to have a written record that you can kind of always go back and refer to. And so I feel a sense of obligation. And I think in many respects, this is the book I've been waiting to write my entire life. So I'm excited about that. And again, the name of the book is going to be Dogpile. Now, now the publisher is already working, already laying out the cover, already beginning to get some things done behind the scenes to kind of expedite the process a little bit. We're also going to open up pre-orders for this book much earlier than normal. I've probably had about 100 people reach out and say, hey, Steve, where can I pre-order? Well, at this point, you can't, but we're going to get that set up sooner rather than later, and I'll share it. Now, go ahead and understand, when you pre-order, the book's not going to be available until the book's available. So you can pre-order it. Go ahead and get that handled, and of course, all pre-orders are signed. If you want to personalize, I can do that for you, too. So as soon as I have that information, I will share the cover with you guys. I will share the link to pre-order and then you can begin to kind of make your plans. And so if you pre-order, let's say in August, you're still not going to get the book until, say, late November, December. You know, so as soon as we get it, we'll get it out to you. So understand that before you even pre-order. But also, too, by opening up um, pre-orders earlier, we'll have an opportunity to kind of estimate, you know, how many books need to be in that first run of printing. You know, we'll cover all that. And of course, we've got bookstores uh, left and right that are already saying, hey, listen, we're going to order, you know, hundreds of copies as soon as this thing is out. We expect this book to do exceptionally well. But understand, it will be late this year, around the holidays, before this book is available. And you'll be able to lay your hands on it. I know many of you want to buy them for your family for Christmas. And so, you know, because of that, I'm going to give you a, an incredible effort. I understand what, what this is all about. And I also understand, too, the time of year it is. So going to be a lot of work done going to be a lot of late nights, not going to have any interruption in the barnyard or any interruption in the uh, content production over at Gene's page. And so it's going to be a busy summer for you, boy. Now, the other book that's already out is Blooms of Oleander. That's that book of poetry that I wrote. It's doing exceptionally well, much better than I anticipated. It's uh, back on the Missy bestsellers list, has been every week since release. And so it was released on June 7th, and then it became eligible for the bestseller list the next week. And so it's been on there every single week. If you're looking for that book, which is pretty easy to find, you can order it through your local bookstore. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can get it through BarnesandNoble.com, Books A Million. If you want signed or personalized copies, you need to take care of that by going through Bookmart and Cafe. Now, I am going to be at Turnrow Books July 15th. That's coming up later this week. I'll be there from 5 to 7. So if you live in the Mississippi Delta or you're going to be in the Mississippi Delta this week, make plans to attend. It's Turn Row Books, July 15th from 5 to 7. We'll make a drive over there. We'll have um, have the book signing. We'll have uh, we'll go get some uh, some cool food there at the Crystal Grill. 
excited about it, man. It's like I'm, I'm not going to do a lot of dates for Blooms of Oleander. Of course, things will be very, very busy you know, during the holiday season. be a lot of book signings back then, which require a lot of travel. And, and listen, I enjoy getting out and meeting you all. You know, it's not just, hey, well, well Steve's going to go you know, sell some books. You know, the bigger part of this is for us to kind of be able to celebrate our mutual accomplishment here and watching the Bulldogs win a NAFL championship. And so I have so much fun when you guys come out. It is, uh, it's a lot of fun for me, and I hope it's fun for you. Uh, the only thing I can promise you is my hair will be longer, and I'll probably have more tattoos than when you saw me last, which reminds me, you get a lot of people say, hey, Steve, when are you getting your NAFL championship tattoo? It's going to be Friday. And so once I get it, I'll tweet out a picture. I'll put it on Facebook, whatever. And, uh, you know, hey, if you want to get the same tattoo, that's cool with me. I won't have my feelings hurt. But uh, I'm excited about this. I've had some people reach out and say, hey, I've never gotten a tattoo before, but I'm going to get one. So I'm doing my best to normalize tattoos. I'm not the only one, of course. It's become kind of commonplace. But uh, it means a lot to me that so many people have reached out and said, you know, what, I'm going to get one, too. It's my first one. Never thought about getting one in my whole life, but I'm going to commemorate this moment in my life and, and get the tattoo. So that that's kind of an update on what's going on with me. Got a lot to talk about. It, first round of the Major League Baseball draft is in. We're going to talk about that, kind of preview the rest of the draft and kind of where we stand with all of that. No real surprises at this point of the negative variety. A couple surprises, I guess, on the positive variety, but it's still it's way too early. And I mean way too early. For people to say, oh, well, that guy's definitely coming to school. You don't know that. You absolutely don't know that. There are a lot of guys out there that say, hey, I'm going to have to have, you know, three or four million dollars to sign. And then when you're faced with, you know, hey, it's a two million dollar deal. How are you going to turn that down? And it's easy for us to say kind of selfishly. And so, yeah, well, that guy should go ahead and come on to school. He'll be a first rounder next year. I mean, you you risk injury. you, You risk, you know, maybe a reduction in play. It's there's a lot of factors involved in this. So you can rest assured, you know, there are some guys that haven't been drafted that will be drafted that are going to sign. So I'm going to preview some of that a little bit later in the show. Got a really cool top 10 list. I pay attention on Twitter. You think I don't, but I do. Probably spend too much time on Twitter, to be honest with you. But uh, that said, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands that's fronted by one of the most incredible singers of all time. I absolutely love them. It's been uh, the band has had an interesting, uh, you know, story to say the least. But uh, a lot to talk about as always, and some things to really celebrate. But before we do, let's celebrate our ability to go to Bulldog Burger Company. I love the place. I absolutely do. I, I was a fan of Bulldog Burger Company long before they sponsored the show, and so I jumped at the opportunity to partner with them when that opportunity became available. I think it's been great for both of us. Uh, I go in there regularly. I eat there regularly. The, the Grilled Chicken Club is one of my favorites. But uh, the classic for me, my favorite burger, is the Pimentology Add Bacon. I've shared with you guys before. I don't know why it works, but it does. It is absolutely fabulous. Always have the spring rolls. They make you and everybody around you better looking. We all need more of that. And that's one that you can look at me and tell I've had a lot of spring rolls. I have. So you need to have them as well. Three great locations to serve you. Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgewood. A lot of great reviews about the new location there. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I really like that location a lot. And then, of course, the flagship right here on University Drive in Star Vegas. Uh, go by. Let them know that I sent you. Have a great time. Bring the family. Get that chocolate shake to go. Then it's one of the coolest things that I think is, you know, that how many times do you, are you in a hurry and say, you know what? I wish I just had a little bit of a palate cleanser. 
I just wish I had a little bit something sweet to kind of finalize the meal. Well, I would say, you know, about halfway through your meal, go ahead and let them know. Hey, I'm going to get a chocolate shake to go. You pay your check, grab your shake, and you're riding that ride with a smile. How about that? Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. The headline last night for Mississippi State, star right-handed pitcher Will Bednar drafted 14th by the San Francisco Giants. If you didn't see the selection, let me encourage you, find that video online. It's, it's readily available. But you had Will Clark walking up there handing the card. It was a young man who was battled back from uh, a major stroke. They didn't think he'd ever walk again. He ended up playing high school baseball as a senior. Still somewhat impaired. But, man, what an incredible story. So he is a San Francisco Giants fan. So he got to take the draft card from Will Clark. And what, a, what an incredible moment that was. And then to go up there and uh, and announce Will Bednar as the pick there. And, and, you know, it's one of those things you look at and say, you know what, I'm always happy for the kids. But I'm also – I think I'm glad that Mississippi State was kind of part of that moment. You know, again, it's kind of like the, uh, the passing of the baton in many respects, you know, from one will to another – but I thought it was super cool that they did that. I think the guy's name was Logan. Great moment for him. Great moment for baseball. And then we're a small part of that. I mean, the bigger story, obviously, is the kid, you know, really kind of persevering through it. But uh, how cool is it for Major League Baseball to let that young man be a part of the draft selection process? thought it was remarkable. Will Bednar, a first-rounder, not a real surprise. And a lot of, a lot of people have said – you know, that he kind of had this meteoric rise because of what he did in the College World Series. And let's be honest, he was playing his best baseball in Omaha. And maybe it's because he knew that the, uh, you know, the, 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 the money was coming. You know, maybe it's like, you know what, if I go out here against the best competition in the country, I'm, I'm helping my team, but I'm also improving my own stock. And Will is a team-first guy. Make no mistake about it. You know, Will's not a guy that gets out there and gets draft-itis. I mean, those kind of guys don't pitch on three days rest and then go win an AFL championship. I mean, he showed he has the stamina, the competitiveness, the strength, and the stuff to be a big-time guy. I thought Tim Corbin's commentary last night was actually very complimentary. He said Bednar will be a one or a two, you know, in the major leagues. And I don't think there's any question. He is a guy I believe can be a major league baseball ace, and his best baseball is to come. Now, a lot of people say, well, Steve, why would he go now? Well, why would he not go now? That, that's the bigger question. And, and I, I want to run some numbers down you know, for those of you that um, maybe you're somewhat unfamiliar with the draft. As part of the collective bargaining agreement here a few years ago, they established what is called slot value. And so basically what that means is that um, you know, it, there is a kind of a predetermined figure in many respects. There is some leeway with that. I mean, they do have some, some negotiating power. But there is a slot value because there used to be these just ridiculous, you know, these numbers would be, they're, they're still ridiculous. But you understand what I'm saying? That some guys from one franchise to another, there would be a lot of variance in the signing bonus. So the slot value for the 14th pick in the draft, which was Will Bednar, the slot value for the signing bonus for that selection is $4,036,800. So there'll be some variance with that, but that, you know, that that's a good you know, target or media number, I guess you could say there. He will sign somewhere around that. Could be a little bit above, could be a little bit below, but you don't walk away from that kind of money. You just don't. I mean, you spend your whole life and you spend your college career trying to work your way into the first round, to try to get as much money for yourself and your family as you can. 
And now Will Bednar, you know, here on the threshold now of being a multimillionaire, is a very young man. So that's one of the reasons why. Now, there are a lot of people out there that say, oh, you know, well, he could probably come back. How much value is there in that? It's, oh, yeah, if he, if he comes back, maybe he's a top 10, but there's no guarantee he doesn't have arm trouble. And so why would you risk that? You're going to risk $4 million to come back. I mean, what is there left for Will Bednar to prove on the college level? He has come in here and become an ace, and has won a national championship. And then there's, you know, there's some prospect fatigue that comes up. I mean, look at Kumar Rocker, who went 10th to the Mets. And I actually think that's a really good fit for him. But, you know, Kumar is a guy that has kind of been on the scene now for three years, and everybody has had a first-round grade on him basically since he hit, you know, the field at Vanderbilt. But what happens over time is people begin to kind of pick your game apart. Kumar Rocker is an absolute monster, and we beat him for a NFL championship. That doesn't in any way diminish, you know, his potential as a Major League Baseball prospect. You know, he is a guy that I think is phenomenal. You know, Chris Lamona said one of the best to ever pitch in the college game. There's some truth in that. But he falls to 10. And, uh, you know, good thing, too, it's one of those things, you know, you begin to kind of work through this thing. You know, Jack Leiter goes number two to the Rangers. And we're going to break a little more of this stuff down lately. But, you know, State took on a lot of first-rounders and beat most of them. But, you know, Kumar is a guy, too, that, you know, hey, had he been eligible to come out last year, you know, he might have been the first pick in the draft. But he comes back. And he didn't do anything to hurt himself. You know, the thing that I've always heard is the reason that Leiter would go ahead of Rocker is because of the ability to repeat the motion. You know, Leiter is a machine out there. This is a guy that basically every pitch tunnels. Everything comes out with the same arm speed, out of the same arm slot. It looks like a fastball. It wipes out like a slider. It fades in like a changeup. You know, it's like everything he throws is there's some deception involved in it. And so everybody has said from the outset of this season that Jack Leiter would probably go before Rocker just kind of for that very reason. It's a very compact delivery. It is very mechanical. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean just because of the fact that he is so consistent in how he handles things. Rocker's a little different. Rocker sometimes tries to out-athletes you a little bit. Sometimes he'll change his arm slot a bit. But, you know, it's a complete power arm there. But, you know, if Will Bednar comes back – you know, I, I don't know that he has that move-up ability like maybe Jack Leiter had. You know, and, and, I, and he could be a guy that, you know, he drops from 14th. Maybe he goes deeper in the first round. And so there's no point in taking the risk when you're guaranteed multi-millions right now. You go jump on that. It's a, it's a very, very simple deal. So Mississippi State will have to update those outfield graphics. I'm a big fan of that. I hope we have to update the outfield graphics every single year. Every year, whether it be an NCAA regional or an Omaha trip or you know, an SEC championship, national championships, I'm a big fan of updating the outfield graphics, my personal opinion. So let, let's run down the Mississippi State first rounders over the year because we have had several. I mean, we absolutely have had several. You know, it used to kind of be the wild, wild west. You know, the, the draft basically was non-existent. You had, uh, you know, basically people going out there signing everybody to deals. And, that, and there was a lot of that early on. You know, Buddy Meyer, Willie Mitchell, those guys, you know, that there was not a draft. They just went out and signed a contract and started playing pro baseball. So there's been 18 first-rounders in the history of your college baseball program. And a lot of that has come in the modern era, most of it in your lifetime. The very first number one draft pick, first-rounder for Mississippi State, was Del Unser, who was recently inducted into the Ron Polk Ring of Honor 
at Dirty Noble Field, drafted by the Washington Senators back in 1966. We did not have another first-rounder until 85, despite the fact that we were a very, very good college baseball program all throughout the 70s and in the early 80s. It wasn't until 85 that we hit first-rounders again, and of course you know who it was. Uh, Will Clark, the number two pick overall, and Rafi there at number 22. Of course, Clark drafted by the Giants, uh, Rafi by the Cubs. 1992, B.J. Wallace, drafted by the Montreal Expos, who are now the Washington Nationals. B.J. is another one of those guys, too, that we all kind of knew. It's just like coming through. You're like, he is going to be the dude. 93, a name you guys are somewhat familiar with, S.J. Powell, the pride of West Lauderdale High School, does some color commentary for the Mississippi State uh, Baseball Radio Network. Jay, a tremendous, tremendous person. I really enjoy being around Jay. He's always he's always has such great insight into the game and into players. He Anytime that I get a chance to pick Jay Powell's brain, I do. He also inducted into the Ron Polk uh, Ring of Honor this year. A year later, which gave State three first-rounders three years in a row, is Carlton Lower to the Philadelphia Phillies. This is another guy, too, that, you know, everybody kind of said, you know what, he projects really well. Didn't have the uh, the MLB career, I think, that most of us expected. But um, inevitably, another name out there on the, uh, on the list. 97, we get Eric Dubos. And for those of you that um, – you know, maybe weren't around or paying close attention to college baseball back then. You know, Eric Dubos was as dominant as anybody in the country that year. I mean, he just – he was. When you put him out there on Friday night, you expected to get a win. And uh, he is drafted by the Oakland A's there in the 21st pick of the first round. You know, the thing about Dubos, too, you go back to that 97 College World Series. We win win that good game that he throws – might have won the whole thing. That's how important it was. You know, if we always talk about how it's important to win those first couple of ball games and not have to kind of tax the depth on your pitching staff. Dubos throws a gym and we still lose. And um, I, I, it's one of those, you look back, we talk about close calls. It's one of those ones that I look back in hindsight and say, you know what, man, one more base hit there. We might have had it back then. But the good thing is we don't have to talk about it as what else anymore because we're national champions. 1999, Matt Ginner. 22nd pick to Chicago White Sox. You know, Ginner's another guy, too, that when he was on in college, he was unhittable. And this is a guy, too, that could get under bad angles. And you know, he was kind of ahead of his time in many respects. Ginner's a guy that's you know, had some big innings for Mississippi State. Come back in, in 2003, and it's Paul Mahala, the number eight pick uh, by the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, one of the highest picks ever in Mississippi State baseball history. Mahalam also recently inducted into the Ron Polk Ring of Honor. Paul's a guy that bounced around a long time, but, man, that guy put up some major innings. It was in the show for a long time. Uh, turned down money to come to Mississippi State. You know, he was a guy that was drafted relatively high and turned it down because it had always been his dream to be at Mississippi State. He was as good as anybody in the country on Friday night. He was one of those guys, too. If he got up and had a good breakfast, it was going to be a long day for you. 2007 – a compensatory pick in the in the first round. This is a comp pick, but it's Eddie Easley uh, listed as a first rounder. Goes a little bit late. You know, they've they kind of limited some of the comp picks. Eddie Easley also the Johnny Bench Award winner, uh, named the best catcher in the country that year, drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ed, another one of those guys, too, that uh, when he was behind the dish, 
you kind of knew that uh, your pitchers could have confidence to kind of throw that breaking ball in the dirt. They could be a little more aggressive trying to get swing and miss because Easy was an absolute wall back there and also a very good offensive player. 2012, one of the great comeback stories in Mississippi State baseball history. It's Chris Stratton with a 20th pick to the San Francisco Giants. Chris, I currently a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. You know, Stratton had that great freshman year and then the sophomore year really struggled bounced back as a junior and was absolutely phenomenal. It's just like it all kind of came together for him. And Stratton had some really big moments against LSU. You know, he beat him as a freshman, came back there as, and, and really deserved to win as a junior, got a standing ovation. We ended up losing that ball game in extra innings down at Alex Box. But, uh, yeah, Chris is one of those guys that kind of became a, a big game pitcher. Probably stressed him a little bit down the stretch there. You know, he wasn't his best in the NCAA regionals after we had won the uh, 2012 SEC tournament championship you know again there are a lot of people that that, that's their goal hey let's go win the tournament you know our goal should be and always should be to play as well as we can every single day but you know we've got bigger fish to fry than uh than than hoover met and that's all due respect to this league but there are a lot of people out there that put a lot of emphasis on that tournament i go back and think about you know 2013 we didn't have a great run in the tournament and we ended up playing for a NAFL championship. 2021, we did, we had an abysmal run in that tournament. We won a NAFL championship. That Ray Tanner, when he was in South Carolina, he absolutely could not care less about the, the SEC tournament. And that just you know doesn't, doesn't mean anything when you win it all, right? And it's almost like a punchline nowadays. You know, we we didn't do well in the tournament. And there were so many people like, oh, this team got exposed. Guys, we didn't go over there and play with any intensity. It's as simple as that. What does it matter now? 14 teams in this league, only one team can win the SEC tournament. Only one team can win an AFL championship. Which would you rather have? I know which one I'd want, the one that we got. All right, 2013, speaking of that 2013 team, Hunter Renfro, a guy that a lot of people didn't even expect him to come to college. The story that I heard is that Hunter Renfro – you know, basically, they were on the phone late after the Mississippi games and reached out to John Cohen and staff and said, hey, does, does he still have an offer from you guys? Because there were some people in his family just felt like he would benefit from the college experience and maybe perhaps he wasn't ready to go on the road as a young guy. Got to grow up right there in Kapai County outside of Crystal Springs. And so we kind of got him. I don't want to say by default, but we got him because he wanted to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And needed a little more seasoning, and he kind of recruited us. You know, we had recruited him throughout the process, but I think most people had kind of considered it a lost cause. Everybody figured he was going to go early in the draft, and then, you know, right as we got down to it, he goes, you know what, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go to college. Comes to Mississippi State, has a phenomenal junior year. Struggled a little bit for a while to pick up spin early in his career. Kind of got it all together uh, as a junior and uh, doing some good things right now. You know, he's with the Padres for a while, and I guess he's uh, with, with the Rays now. I think, I think that's right. No, he's with the Red Sox now. He's bounced around a little bit, so you have to forgive me, uh, you know, for that. You know, my hope is that he'll find a home uh, there in Boston. I'm a Hunter Renfro fan. I really am. I mean, I think that he is a guy that can hang around for a while, and he's been there for a while already, but I still think his best baseball is to come. All right, let me get back on my tab here. Got a lot going on. Dakota Hudson, you know, people forget Dakota Hudson in 2015. If memory serves me correct, he threw 12 innings. 12. 12 innings. 
Then he comes back and becomes the Friday night guy in 2016 on the SEC champion team for Mississippi State, becomes the first-round pick of the Cardinals. You know, doing a great job for them. He's kind of been up and down a little bit, you know, between the majors and the AAA there. But uh, this is a guy that's got some big things in front of him, you know, and um, won the last picks in the first round that year. But you know what? Still a first-rounder. 2017, Brent Rooker. First rounder to Minnesota Twins, and you may recall the Twins had, had drafted him the year before, you know, much deeper in the draft, and he had a decision to make. He comes back, and the Twins go get him. And Rooker, of course, just really beginning to scratch his potential, the surface of his potential. It's a guy that hits the baseball with a lot of anger, for sure. Brent's amazing. 2019, Ethan Small, taken by the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, I don't know if you saw, he uh, – Pitched in the Futures game, I guess, here recently. Closed the thing out. And Ethan is the guy, too, that had Tommy John surgery. People forget that. You know, we, we had that awful year when it seemed like the entire pitching staff um, had Tommy John. He was one of them. He came back. He didn't have the same velo, but he really learned how to pitch. You know, he was routinely hitting close to 100, you know, as a freshman. We, we, we weren't sure what to make of him. And the next thing you know, he has Tommy John, and he comes back and you know, the spin rate on that fastball just really kind of changed, you know, the perception of him. Ben McDonald and I talked about that in Omaha. Is that, you know, he said Ethan Small is really one of the first guys when you really first started hearing about spin rate. You know, it used to all be about velo. And then Ethan Small was the guy who was like, hey, yeah, he's really deceptive with that fastball. The fastball plays up because of the spin rate. And now all of a sudden that's all anybody talks about at analytic, analytics when it comes to spin rate and that sort of stuff. But Ethan Small – Kind of on the, uh, you know, on the, on the beginning of that era of, of Major League Baseball. And last year, of course, stayed with two first-rounders, Justin Foscu, Jordan Westbrook. Foscu finally back in the order after uh, seven weeks away. Hits a home run in his first at-bat. Uh, Westberg hit a tank the other day, op, oppo taco for him. Foscu uh, last night on Twitter telling everybody to go to college. So, guys, go play college baseball. Go play college baseball. I mean, it's like we talk about, you know, all year long. We're like, man, you know, maybe some things missing on this Mississippi State team. Man, what if we had Foscu and Westberg, you know, probably would have run away with this thing. We won it anyway. It's crazy to think about that 2019 team at Mississippi State. I mean, it really is. You know, Cole Gordon's the guy that kind of reinvented himself, and, uh, and he's in the minors, double-A with, uh, with the Mets now. Jake Mangum, of course. SEC career hits leader. Ethan Small, a first-round draft pick. Jordan Westberg, Judd Foscu. Both first-round draft picks. Dustin Skelton in the draft that they're doing some good things now. I mean, it's like you start working around this thing and you start realizing, you know, how great that team was. And look back in hindsight, I mean, you know, it's like I don't know that we could have beaten Vanderbilt back then. Vanderbilt seemed to have had our number. That's a great Mississippi State team. But I don't don't know if we'll get the full acclaim for that. I think in many respects maybe the team accomplishments are overshadowed by what Jake did, and that's not what he would want. But I think when you look at the talent available on that team, and I had so many people in in Major League Baseball circles tell me that Jordan Westberg was going to be a first-rounder. Heard it over and over and over again. And he was. There's a lot of guys that get selected on projectability. And Westberg has that great arm, had great bat speed, struggled at times to to hit the inside pitch. But um, he gets picked. And now Will Bednar. So that's your first rounders. You know, really good group there. Not to mention, you know, some of our biggest stars 
weren't first rounders, but we've had a ton of these guys go in the first round. And I think when you begin to look at this, begin to realize too that, you know, what has happened here as of late really shows the maturation of the Mississippi State team. And, and, and as our program, I don't say those things to uh, to be negative, you know, about where, we, where we've come from. Because sometimes the good old days weren't all so good. You know what I mean? It's like we kind of romanticize that in many respects. But I've said it on the show many times, the current decade is the best decade of Mississippi State baseball. There's no question about it. And this is just further proof of that. I mean, you just go back 2012. Like, I mean, think about this: 18 first rounders, and then since 2012, we've had it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So, eight of our 18 first rounders have come in the last nine drafts. There's a decade again, right? This, this it, these are the glory days of Mississippi State baseball, and that's not in any way whatsoever to diminish the 1980s or the 1990s in any respect. But we need to appreciate where we are and where we're going. We hadn't just kind of reached the pinnacle and just said, okay, all right, well, we're kind of content to go back. No, 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 no. You know, we want to be that dominant baseball team every year. We want to be a team that's in contention to go to Omaha every year. We want to be a team that's in the NAFL championship conversation every year. That's the reality of the Mississippi State goals. And when you go out and you begin to produce first-rounders regularly, and let's not forget JT Ginn was a guy that uh, you came back to and actually made more money by coming to school. Granted, he was a little bit banged up when he was here, and, and I love JT. I love his family. They're absolutely wonderful people. But, um, you know, when you start seeing these guys come to college and then start cashing these seven-digit checks, you know, that helps recruiting. Now, we've had some signees as well, you know, because that's the level at which we recruit at. We, we're kind of competing with MLB to get players. But when you've got guys that like to come to school and improve their lot in life and they develop and turn themselves, you know, in many respects, like Justin Foskey was undrafted out of high school, completely undrafted in a 40-round draft, and then he's the 14th pick in the draft. You don't think that guy benefited by going to college? Absolutely did. Now, that may be an extreme situation, but you saw some of that last last night. There were a handful of first-rounders that were undrafted out of high school. And the next thing you know, they they get into college ranks and they develop and get stronger and they begin to learn the game. And next thing you know, they're making big money. And so these are the things that really help your recruiting. It's not just facilities. It's not just coaching. It's because every kid that is, is a college baseball prospect thinks, where can I go where I can be developed and turned into a big leaguer? Where do I go? And so when Mississippi State starts turning out first-rounders with greater regularity, it's one of those things you look at and say, you know what, hey, look, you can come here and you can play and develop, compete for championships at the best college baseball facility in America. And then once you're done here, it's a good chance Major League Baseball is going to want you. And if you work hard and you've got special talent, you could be a first-rounder. That's a pretty easy It's a pretty easy recruiting pitch. And that's the thing, too, is we no longer have to kind of preach on a promise. You know, we don't have to go in there and say, well, you know, we had a great great time in Omaha. If we'd had you, maybe we had won it. You know, well, well we have won it. And so we're going to go win it again. And if you want to be a part of that, then you come to Mississippi State and you play baseball for the Diamond Dogs. That's kind of where we are now. Yeah, before. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe 
by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We had the great stadium and the best fans in college baseball. And now we've got the trophy, too. One of those guys that we're probably not going to get is uh, Maddox Bronze. That's uh, you know first rounder last night picked by the Dodgers. You know, we had heard that uh, Maddox was a potential first rounder, thought he might slip into the day. The Dodgers don't take a chance. They go ahead and get him. And uh, just so you guys know, just looking at the slot value for that, just to kind of remove any potential uh, – Nonsense there. It's $2.4 million. 
for the Dodgers, $2.4 million. And so that's what Maddox has got to think about. Okay, yeah, I'm a first rounder. I'm at the back end of the first round. Do I come back and try to play my way in? Well, you know, there's a chance you could drop too. Because, again, you know, at some point, every pitcher has some level of arm trouble, you know. And so that's the risk that he's got to run. I think Mississippi State fans right now should prepare and kind of understand he's not going to be there. And Because here's the thing, too. You know, you, if, you, if you don't sign your first-round draft pick, there are consequences the next year. And if you're the scout that is kind of stood on the table for this kid, you might not be a scout for that same team next year. And so guys that are drafted in the first round – there, are, there is generally some assurance that they're going to sign. You don't go draft some guy in the first round and say, okay, we're going to go waste our first round draft pick and kind of hope this kid's going to go. There, are, there have all, Trust me, there have already been some tentative agreements made and some promises made before that, that selection is made. Simple as that. So the L.A. Dodgers, who have done a great job developing pitchers, and I hate them, but I also respect them, they're not going to go out there and draft a left-handed pitcher in the first round unless they know he's going to come play ball. Because it is the goal of every Major League Baseball team is you go out of here and you have this glorified version of picking teams where you're not just going to go put names on a wall and kind of hope for the best. You're going to go get the best available player that you know you can sign. It's as simple as that. I, I read a lot of comments out there sometimes, and listen, I love you all to death. But, you know, some of you are better off reading on social media than posting for a while. Because we jump in here and we say, oh, well, you know, well, they're going to do this. And they're drafting these high school kids because of this and because of that. Guys, there is a collective bargaining agreement that is kind of negotiated regularly between Major League Baseball and the Players Association to protect current, former, and future players. And so they're not going to go out and draft these high school kids and then throw peanuts at them. That's why that slot value is so important. You can't go out there and just kind of negotiate in bad faith and say, oh, well, you're a high school kid. We think you're going to develop. So here's a million dollars and everybody around you is making you know, six and seven. It's just not how it works. And so I, I just say that to kind of understand this, this Maddox-Bruns thing. He's not coming to school. I mean, barring something totally unforeseen, you can say, you know, well, Steve, well, we said that about JT again. Guys, JT again was hurt, too. He wasn't 100%. And so they didn't offer him what he was entitled to, and he came back and it worked out well for him. But that was a very unique situation. You know, JT is a guy, too, that uh, I think his best baseball is ahead of him. Uh, it really is the case for most of these guys who get drafted, or you certainly would hope. But just, you know, rest in the fact, too, that, you know, Maddox Bruns is a guy that is a left-handed pitcher with a three-pitch mix that is going to a franchise that has historically done a great job developing pitchers. We're not going to see him. Barring something totally unforeseen, we're not going to see him. But those are the only two players drafted with a Mississippi State connection on day one. We'll get into day two a little bit later in the show. Uh, Before we do, let's talk about top ten lists. Brought to you by JohnnyPacker.com. I heard from Brandon Wiley earlier today and Brandon said, you know what, Steve, we've added some new items. you got the Omaha frames. Uh, we've, they've got a, the new Albany Chamber of Commerce reached out, guys. They want some new Albany frame glasses. How cool is that? So go check it out. New inventory. They're trying, they're trying to keep up. They've had, they've had to bulk up the, uh, the replenishing shipments because of the, the way you guys have been buying glasses. Go to johnnypacker.com today. 
And I'll give you a quick story, too. My welcome home gift from my German shepherd is he ate my sunglasses. He chewed them up. I walk up here and he's got them off my desk. He's like, hey, welcome home, Dad. And then chews up my sunglasses. I've already ordered some replacements. I'm a guy that's got to have prescription lenses. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to share with you guys, you got to protect your eyes. And and I'll I'll say this because I think it's important. You know, JohnnyPacker.com, these are not just, um, you know, regular sunglasses. You can get your prescriptions filled through those guys. And that's important. My mom's optometrist told her that there is she has a, a condition that may be genetic and she may pass down her boys and that we have to kind of be smart, protect our eyes. She's had to have uh, cataract surgery on both eyes. I'm trying to avoid that at all cost. And so I have regularly worn my sunglasses for the last few years, ever since I've learned of this. I, if, I'm, if I'm out of the house, I got my sunglasses on, unless it's nighttime. And sometimes I wear them then. But I, it was remarkable when I went to my eye exam, and I hadn't been in a couple of years, and my optometrist said, Steve, your numbers are remarkably similar to what they were the last time you were here. She said, in fact, we go back to our first appointment here a few years ago. Your eyes are stable. It's basically the same. And so I'm going to credit some of that for wearing sunglasses regularly. I'm on the road so much or so much windshield time for me. I just can't afford to get out there and drive and, and have to you know, stare into the sun, hold my hand up. It's just miserable. Take care of yourself. Take care of your eyes. Order some sunglasses today. Go to johnnypacker.com, use promo code BONEYARD to save 10%. There's also some cool swag in there if you want to check that out, some tumblers, some shirts, things like that. Uh, Go check it out. And then also, a portion of every purchase is donated directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. John Packer himself has struggled with that ailment all of his life. He's trying to do what he can to improve the quality of life for other people who struggle with cystic fibrosis. It's a charity that means a lot to me. And again, if you got to get the sunglasses, you might as well do business with Bulldogs, but also help support a great cause. That's johnnypacker.com, promo code BONEYARD. And that's Packer, P-A-C-K-E-R, johnnypacker.com. Today's top 10 list, it's Evanescence. And I absolutely am in love with Amy Lee. I have been uh, from the beginning. She is a Victorian beauty um, in many respects with an operatic voice that is like of a generational quality. I mean, she is a phenomenal performer and a great songwriter. And uh, the Evanescence story is rather interesting. You know, Ben Moody actually started the band um, out in Arkansas. And Amy Lee joined the band. And, you know, Ben was kind of the brains behind the whole operation. And then when he found Amy Lee, because Ben was such a talented songwriter, he found Amy Lee. Next thing you know, they put together this band that was absolutely phenomenal. It didn't last very long. And uh, Evanescence is still together, but it is a different band. Ben no longer involved. Ben and the rest of the guys from Evanescence formed another band called We Are the Fallen. And that is uh, named after the very first Evanescence album, The Fallen. Uh, And I believe it was Carly Smitherman from... um, Anyway, there was a girl from American Idol that was a singer for We Are the Fallen for a while. Kind of an Amy Lee imposter i guess you could say all due respect but just not as good really good just not as good as amy lee so somebody on twitter reached out and said hey steve i don't i don't know your name i apologize i don't want to use your handle because i don't know what that stands for but uh said hey i feel like i got some street cred because uh steve's an evanescence fan i, I have been from the beginning and so my list may be a little different than most because i've got some deeper tracks on here 
And one of the things that I will share with you guys, too, that the new Evanescence record, uh, The Bitter Truth, is phenomenal. You know, there's a lot of bands, too. You get a little deeper in the catalog, and they get a little farther away from their glory days, and it kind of thins out a little bit. That's not the case. Now, Amy went out and did, like, a dance album a couple years ago, and it just didn't work for me. And I know, listen, as a person that loves to create and kind of do their own art, I get it. Sometimes you've got to express yourself in other ways. I didn't get the dance stuff. I didn't. And I'm a dance guy. Maybe it's just because of the context. I'm just, I like my Amy Lee in a box, I guess. Um, the Evanescence box, but didn't work for me. But The Bitter Truth is phenomenal. There is not a bad track on there. I, I think it is the best album probably uh, since The Open Door, which was the second album, which is kind of you know the, the tail end of all the Ben Moody stuff. So here is my list, and uh, you may have your own list. Your list would be incorrect. But uh, no honorable mentions today, but uh, there are a lot. There are, the thing about Amy Lee's voice and the way this production value has worked in her career is that you can put on an album and it's like every song kind of sounds like a single. You know what I'm saying? It's just, there is a kind of a familiar refrain in everything she does. And because she is so talented as a vocalist, it all just sounds next level. Okay, so number 10, off the debut album, uh, The Fallen, it's Going Under. And this was the one that was kind of a rock radio hit for a while. Of the, the singles on that album, this is probably my least favorite of the singles, but I still love it. And uh, I actually love the instrumentation on this. I think Ben Moody and the group do a great job. There's a lot of crunch on this one. Okay, the next two tracks are from the new album, The Bitter Truth. And this uh, number nine one is uh, one of those incredible sad love song ballads where Amy Lee can really show her range, but it's called Wasted on You. If I'm not mistaken, it was the debut single off this album. You know, you pull up on Apple Music and it doesn't have a star next to it, but it doesn't mean that it's not a great song. I think there's actually a video for this. Wasted on You, tremendous song. And again, I think it really shows you, you know, the vocal range of Amy Lee. Number eight, The Game is Over. Also off the bitter truth. They've had a couple of singles. The game is over. To me, I think has a little bit of that familiar crunch that we had, you know, maybe in the early 2000s with them. It's not just, you know, the piano and operatic stuff. There's a little more crunch to this one. And there's a little bit of that electronic in the background. You know, so it's like it's kind of like the symphony of the Amy Lee experience. You've got her great operatic voice. You've got a little bit of rock crunch, and you've got a little bit of that, um, maybe that dance influence as well. So it's kind of homogenized in many respects. Number seven, this is a deeper track off the debut album. I don't know that many people would pick this one on their top ten. I absolutely love this song, and I think it should have been a single, but it's called Tourniquet. And um, and it's not just because of the fact that it's a um, kind of a play on words about drugs and whatever, but it's one of those deals, too. It's about kind of the personification of a person in many respects that you become addicted to. So there's like a codependency element to it. And uh, I, I dig the, the track. I think the music is phenomenal. Uh, from the album Lost Whispers, number six is Missing. This is, again, another one of those songs that really shows off Amy Lee's vocal range. It is a ballad. And it is one of those things you kind of look at and you kind of begin to wonder, you know, is this real you know, it's like, is there a real, a real person behind this? Or is this like, 
you know, some studio creation created by computers, and it, it's absolutely real. Number five, from the self-titled Evanescence album, I, I've got this weird thing about bands that have self-titled albums after they're established. I kind of get the debut album being self-titled. I don't, I don't get, it, it throws me off. You know what I'm saying? And maybe I'm wrong about that, but, but self-titled albums like halfway through your career are weird. And so I'm sure that wasn't Amy's decision, but there is a song on that album that I think is absolutely phenomenal, and it's called Lost in Paradise. Another one of those things, too, about being in love, and sometimes you get disillusioned with all of that, and uh, I think at some point we've all been victims to that. But Lost in Paradise, a great track. Number four, there are some days I could convince myself that this is the best Evanescence song, even though it wasn't... um, you know, commercially as successful as maybe the three ahead of it. But, you know, I'm riding in my car sometimes and this just kind of pops up. You know, you know how that happens sometimes you're just kind of riding along and you know, maybe you don't make a change or maybe you're listening to a playlist and all of a sudden randomly a song comes on and you're thinking, oh man, I hadn't heard this in forever. Well, this happens to me with this one. And every time it does, I have to turn it up. And it's off the debut album, The Fallen. It's called Everybody's Fool. I think to me... This is Ben Moody's musical masterpiece. I think the music and the tracking on this album are better than anything Evanescence has ever done. And I include the bigger hits, too. I think Everybody's Fool is one of those ones where you absolutely nail it. The vocal is great, but I don't get the sense that Amy is kind of the focal point of the track. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes... You know, some singers kind of overshadow the music and other times, you know, the it's somewhat muted, I guess. But in this one, I think they get the mix absolutely right. And I love this song and uh, everybody's full. I think if I was going to sell you on Evanescence, especially the up-tempo stuff, this is the first track that I would play for you. Everybody's full is phenomenal. Number three, this is off the, uh, the second album, The Open Door, and it's uh, Call Me When You're Sober. And, you know, you know, it's about it's drunk dialing or whatever, you know, and, you know, it's some girl that's just simply had enough. And uh, this was this was a big hit for them. But there was a part of me, too, to be honest with you. I think one of the reasons this song was so successful is because of the success of the first album, because we all fell so in love with Evanescence and we were so eager to get something new. And so rock radio kind of pushed this thing out. And Amy Lee has such a great vocal delivery. She's able to kind of carry it. I, I don't think that the lyrically. Evanescence has had an album anywhere close to the first one. And I think, you know, this Call Me When You're Sober is a little bit of a carryover deal uh, from the first album. But I do dig the track. I think you guys will like it, too. Number two, the one that started it all. And as other people would say, you know what, Steve, I don't know. It's true. It's Bring Me to Life. And when this thing was released as a single, it was absolutely everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And it was because it was so innovative. That was the thing is like, okay, we're, we're kind of used to female singers, but who who is this? What? It's, what? What an incredible mix of talent. I mean, you've got this crunch and you've got this great rock track. And then there's this girl that looks like she's from a different day and time. And she's singing over this and, and she hits those big notes and she's got just enough grit in her voice too, where she has some rock cred. It's phenomenal. And but again, if you if you were alive, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You couldn't go to the store without hearing "Bring Me to Life." I mean, it was phenomenal. It was everywhere. 
But to me, the number one song, and I think this is the quintessential Evanescent song, and I think it has a great mix of who they are and who they were. And it is, in my mind, it is the saddest love song of all time. And I'm a sucker for sad ballads. I am. But this this one, you know, and maybe it's because, uh, you know, Amy Lee in the beginning of this just has this incredible lullaby type quality. And then by the time you get to the end of the song, I mean, you just feel like it, you've been on a roller coaster ride. And so it opens up, you know, with this, you know, almost a whisper of a vocal in this great piano played by Ben Moody. And it goes to the, you know, to this great band kind of closing the song out. But it is an incredible song. And I had read one time that Ben Moody, the song is about a relationship, but that he had just lost his grandfather. And a lot of the emotion from that, who his grandfather had been especially supportive in his life, that this kind of was the the child of that, of that grief that this song came from that. And I think that there is some authenticity in all of that. I think that's the great thing about music and about art is being able to elicit emotion from your readers and listeners. And I think that absolutely happens here. You know, it's that line in, at the end of the song. It's yeah, I get choked up even now, you know, when I, I sing along, when it says, uh, you know, though you're still with me, I've been alone all all the while. Uh, it's or all along. It's uh, it is a phenomenal song. My immortal. I don't know how anybody in the world could like this song. It's just one of those songs that I just look at and I think this is a classic. It's one of the best songs of my life. There's no doubt about it. It's My Immortal by Evanescence. I hope you enjoyed the list. And, I, and listen, if you were an old Evanescence fan, like if you maybe haven't listened to them since they left the radio, you owe it to yourself to go listen to The Bitter Truth. Listen to the, to the Spotify list or the iTunes list today, and I think you're going to dig Wasted on You and the game is over. But you owe it to yourself. Maybe when you're on a road trip and you're bored and want something fresh, listen to that Evanescence record, The Bitter Truth. came out last year. Uh, absolutely phenomenal work. And again, their best album, in my opinion, since The Fallen. There you go, the top ten list, uh, Evanescence. If you have ideas for a top ten list, reach out, let me know. I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. If you're not following me on Twitter, you're failing at life. Come hang me out with me. Sometimes I need your support. Our next segment of the show brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's CloseWithBlair. That's B-L-A-I-R.com. CloseWithBlair. I have known Blair for many, many years. He is a senior loan officer with Fairway Mortgage, recently named in the top 1% nationally. How cool is that? So you're not just dealing with a fly-by-night guy here. This is a mortgage professional, a guy that knows how to get things done. Years and years of expertise with great products, you know, provided by a great national lender, Fairway Mortgage, ranked among the top five of all national mortgage lenders. They offer all types of mortgage products for every need, whether it be a purchase, a refi, conventional, FHA, USDA, or VA lending products, all available. There's also specialized renovation products. So maybe you want to take that on, take on that fixer-upper, right? They've got a plan for you to be able to finance those repairs. And then maybe you're looking to flip a house or maybe make it your dream home. They can help that become a reality. Blair is licensed in Mississippi and surrounding states, Louisiana, Alabama, and Tennessee. Investment properties, second homes, primary residences. He can do it all. Been in the game for 21 years. This is a guy, too. It's a bulldog. And I, listen, I'm a firm believer in doing business with bulldogs whenever I can. I mean, listen, I'm going to go out and get the best deal for myself and my family. But you know what? When all things are equal, I'm picking the Mississippi State guy. 
Blair is an MSU alum, season ticket holder, has a place here in town. He's very committed to Mississippi State. Check him out today at closewithblair.com. Maybe if you can't remember that, just give it a call, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. So the draft will get back underway today around noon, and we'll have rounds two through ten. So you should see some action pick up from Mississippi State today. Now, Tanner Allen probably goes second round, maybe third at the latest. He is going to go. And, like, I, I read people, and, and, again, I know a lot of people, too, are kind of unfamiliar with the draft. And so I think it's important to kind of understand Tanner Allen has a year of eligibility remaining. I don't think, even if he came back and duplicated what he did this year, that he would be a first-rounder. I think because of the fact that he doesn't have a natural position, and, yeah, he's going to be an outfielder. I don't, know, I don't know if he plays in left. I don't know if he plays in right. I don't know what they do with him because he is a bit of a tweener, but he is a winning baseball player, so he is going to be a big leaguer someday. I don't think there's any question. But I don't think he could come back and play his way into the first. And also of note, too, is because of the fact you lose your negotiating power and you don't have a year of eligibility. And so this is the money year for, for T.A. This is, this is His stock will never be higher, and he'll never be in a stronger bargaining position. So he is going to sign. And I do think he is probably drafted second or third round. I would lean towards lean more towards the second. I hope that's the case uh, than the third. But yeah, he will definitely go today. Uh, I I don't know if Rowdy goes today, but probably today. And Rowdy's in a similar position, you know. Where I, and we've talked about too. You know, Rowdy's a guy that does everything well, doesn't do anything maybe great. Um, but yeah, he's going to go. And I, I do think he'll probably go in the top ten. Top 10 rounds, probably the same for Christian McLeod, too, because, you know, this is a guy, too, that I think Christian is probably a guy that may consider coming back. And I think maybe his signability is somewhat going to be in question because I don't think if, if he goes second or third round, I think he's gone. I really do. But if he drops, you know, maybe, you know, 10th round or so, and I don't know if it's going to happen. I just, I, you know, when you've got left handers that can land a breaking ball like he can. I think that he is a guy that, that somebody will take a swing at him and uh, he'll have a decision to make. You know, a lot of our discussion at this point, you know, Saren told us a guy too that is not going to be back at Mississippi State. He's already in a transfer portal, but he is going to be drafted. And I think he's probably got to, probably no matter where he gets drafted, will probably go ahead and go. And that's probably the best thing for him. I think he's a guy that needs to get into the minors and really get developed. We talked about analytics and spin rate. I mean, it's like, Again, I shared earlier that the average spin rate on a major league baseball fastball is 2,300. A great one is 26. Sarantola is 33. I mean, he's got everything you need except the mental toughness, and that's something that I think because of the patience that they can exhibit to him in the minor leagues, they can get him there. Yeah, the big thing today is what's going to happen with the signees. And listen, there's only three guys we're really worried about now. You know, Maddox Bruns is, is gone. I mean, I think... You just go ahead and kind of remove that from you know, from your line of thinking, the chances of him coming back. But then you've got you've got Walling, and a lot of people have told me that the deal with Walling is a lot of Major League Baseball teams see him as a reliever. Well, he wants to start, and he's got a great agent that kind of understands that he could benefit from a year of school at Mississippi State. He wants to be a weekend guy. He wants to show teams that he can do it. But what better way to go do it than go play for the national champions? Now, because of that concern, there is some, I guess, some 
some positivity. You know, a couple months ago, I was heard of the four guys that we're most concerned about. He was the most likely to come to school, and that was still a long shot. I don't know that it's the long shot maybe that we thought it was 48 hours ago. But, again, there's just so much left to go. You know, if if he goes, you know, first five rounds, I think he's gone. But teams are not going to go waste a pick that early on him unless they have some assurances that he's going to come play ball. But if he wants to prove that he can be a starter on the major league level, then he needs to go to Mississippi State and do it. You know, he's out there playing junior college baseball. And obviously, listen, I had a son that played Juco baseball, so I know it's what it's all about. You got some guys, even at that level, that don't belong out there. And so it's easy to kind of put up big numbers in Juco baseball when you're a former Power Five guy. This is a guy that transferred from Oregon State uh, there to East Oklahoma. And so if there are questions about his stock as a starter, then the best way to alleviate that is to come to school. And he would still have another year of eligibility to work with. And so he wouldn't lose any leverage or bargaining power by coming to Mississippi State. In fact, he probably strengthens himself. Now, of course, if he gets here and doesn't perform well, then he's got to take what they give him next year. But if you have an opportunity to really improve yourself and kind of change the perception of you, you, you probably should take it. So, again, I'm not ready to say I expect him to come to school. I think we'll have a really good indication today about that. I think once the first 10 rounds are over, you can kind of have an idea. If he doesn't go in the first 10 rounds, then I don't think there's any question he's coming to school. If he gets drafted, you know, five or six, he's got a decision to make. Uh, Jordan McCants, I continue to hear he is not coming to school. And there are probably some teams out there that are aware of this. Because, listen, it's not like I've got these incredible sources that only talk to me. You know, so Jordan McCants is a guy that um, the obviously the younger brother of T.J. McCants. And people said, well, Steve, I don't understand. How could Ole Miss get him? Well, it was a, a five-round draft last year. An abbreviated draft. It's still abbreviated this year, but it's 20 rounds. 20 rounds last year, TJ's probably in pro ball right now. And so I, I don't I don't expect Jordan McCants. I know a lot of people have said, well, you know, you never know. You know, guys, I'll be honest with you. It's almost like the Billy Hamilton thing. There were so many people to try to say, you know what, Steve, you, you just you just don't ever know. You know, he really wants to do this. Yeah, you know, I, I just talked to enough people that, you know, kind of run in these circles that will tell you, you know, Steve, the, the kid really wants to go pro. And so unless he just really falls – you know, well beneath his projections, he's going to go pro. And, and these are people that I trust. And so, you know, we'll kind of see how things progress there. We could really use him. I and mean, I really like him a lot. I think he's a great young man. And uh, I think he's very, very talented. And he's a little bit better than TJ. And then I think having an older brother like TJ has made him better because he's had to compete harder to compete with his brother. Uh, and then you get a little bit deeper into this thing and begin you kind of wonder what's going to happen with uh, a couple other players, you know, uh, James Wood. You know, James Wood's a guy that didn't tear it up batting average-wise this year. Only hit about 258, but he's just one of those guys that projects really well. 6'6", 240, uh, could be a corner outfielder or be a first baseman. He's actually pitched a little bit too, but you know, everybody sees him as a, as a left-handed power bat. This is a guy when he hits a baseball, you can see the videos online yourself. It just sounds different coming off his bat. A lot of people had a first-round grade on him. We do think he'll go in a second or third round. There was some discussion that he wanted – well north of $2 million to sign. Now, a lot of people put that out there just to kind of put their asking price to see if somebody will meet it. And then if somebody comes back and says, hey, listen, uh, we're going to take you here in the third round and we're willing to give you, you know, $1.8, $1.6 million, whatever. 
And so it's amazing how that changes. And that's a decision that I, and a lot of people, I don't know if they could, they could deal with. You know, a lot of people don't have a good enough poker face to kind of handle that. But, I mean, think about your own child. You know, like if Andy Robertson, who I love dearly, and uh, I'm so grateful to God that he had an opportunity to play college baseball, even at, uh, at the NAIA level. It was his dream to be able to play, and I was so glad that he kind of pulled me along for a while. I got to coach high school baseball in many respects because of him. Um, but, you know, to make a long story short, you know, it, it, when it's your child and you think about how hard you've had to work and all the things you've had to put up with, and, and listen, right, there was a time I had four young kids at home and, you know, the, the day before payday, I mean, you kind of go to kind of hold your breath when you go to the ATM. You know, I, I've been in that situation. I don't want any of my kids to be in that situation at any point in their lives. And so if it was my child and all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're going to give him, you know, a million dollars to sign. And then if it doesn't work out, we'll pay for his education. You know, how do you turn that down? I mean, that, those are the, those are the challenges that parents and advisors really have to face. And I think having a great agent kind of prevents some of these young people from kind of being uh, exploited a bit. And MLB teams kind of victimizing them and probably paying them less than their market value. So that helps a lot. But some of these guys, you know, like Scott Boris is a guy that uh, you guys know. But you know, he has advised many many people to go to school. JT Ginn was one of them. You know, he understand he sees the bigger picture. It's not, okay, let's make as much money this year as we can. Let's look at next year, too. What if this kid goes back next year and all of a sudden, you know, he's a top 10 pick? And so James Wood is one of those guys that he is going to get drafted on projectability. He's not going to get drafted on high school production. He plays at IMG. He's originally from Maryland. Uh, but he is a guy, too, that has some real, real stink in the swing. I mean, this is a guy, whenever – Whenever he you know, makes good contact with that launch angle, he is a guy that's going to you know do some big things. Would he help us next year at Mississippi State? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think, again, there's some swing and miss in his game right now that I think Jay Gotro could help him with. I don't know if he's an immediate impact guy like some other guys are, but I do think he is a guy that will likely get taken in the first you know uh, three or four rounds today, and then I think he'll have a decision to make. I mean – and again, good representation means a lot. But uh, those are some names that we're kind of, you know, you know, kind of looking at. Now there'll be some other guys. You're gonna have some other signees drafted. Please don't run to Facebook and and um, you know and and post your rants because we have guys drafted every year that don't sign. And so there will be some guys, especially tomorrow, that'll get drafted. That doesn't mean they're not coming to school. Now, there may be some, but it doesn't mean they're not coming. I would say the majority of of, of of signees drafted tomorrow will probably come to school. And not just for us, but you kind of around the conference and, and others. And, um, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting, and um, and I, maybe we'll get that in this next segment of the show, but uh, I just think it's – understand that Chris Lamonis and these guys are not surprised by anything that happens in a draft. Now, there's a lot of unknown with all that, but they have prepared themselves – They've went out in many respects kind of oversigned. That's kind of what you do when you know you're, you're, you're signing some guys that are draft risk guys, and we do that every year. And sometimes they come to school, guys like Kellum Clark, right? Because if we didn't, if we just said, okay, we don't want to go recruit that guy because he's going to go in the draft, and Kellum Clark wouldn't be at Mississippi State. And Mississippi State wouldn't be NAFL champions today if we didn't make that decision. Let that sink in for a second. So you have to gamble at times. You have to go out and try to get these guys – and you go out and sign three or four of them, and maybe one or two of them come to school, and they potentially become difference makers in your program. So, 
that's kind of where we stand with all that. Our next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. I was there the other day. It is phenomenal, the, the business that they're doing and uh, the production they have to get things out. Let me caution you, too. Please show a little patience, and not just with Campus Bookmart, but with everybody that maybe you're buying Mississippi State merchandise through. It should be Campus Bookmart. But they are seeing unprecedented demand, and so it might take them a little longer than normal. Because, you know, they, they usually, you know, maybe process, you know, 15, 20 online orders a day, and then they've got hundreds to deal with. And sometimes items are on back order, and sometimes, uh, you know, quantities are limited. And so please, 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 please show a little patience. It'll be good for everybody. I promise. It'll all be worth it. You know, if you get what you want, it doesn't matter when you get it, right? It's like, well, I really wanted this this great shirt, and it might take me a few days longer than to get my second favorite shirt. And I know I know. at the end of the day, all this kind of comes from a good place, right? Everybody wants to get out there and rep the brand. I can't wait to wear my NAFL championship shirt, Steve. I've waited my whole life to do this. I get it. Absolutely do. I went out and bought mine as soon as I got home. Um, but just kind of show a little patience here. And uh, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. They got some brand new youth, youth NAFL championship shirts in too. And a lot of your kids have been waiting on that. You can use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that will save you some money on shipping. All orders over 50 bucks that use promo code BSR for Beautiful Steve Robertson get free shipping. And for many of you that ordered, you know, a lot of merch, that was not an insignificant amount of change. It's one thing when you're ordering, you know, a couple shirts. It's another thing when you're ordering a box full of them and all of a sudden, you got a promo code to save you a little jack there. And I'm happy we can do that for you. And I've had so many, Standard Man tells me just about all the orders coming in have BSR, have beautiful Steve Robertson on them. So thank you guys for supporting them. You'll be glad you did. A Starkvillian institution, Campus Bookmark. Go by and see the lovely, talented sister. I, I get to hug her when I go in there. She may not hug you guys, she hugs me. But uh, she'll always give you service with a smile. Again, that's campusbookmark.net, uh, promo code BSR. Few observations about the first round too. I mean, that there are some names and some programs missing from this list, and I'm, I'm going to run down this for you too. Uh, of course, uh, Henry Davis, the first pick from Louisville, and then Jack Leiter from Vandy. Then you had a couple of high school guys taking Colton Kowser out of Sam Houston. We played them in the Frisco Classic, and he was phenomenal. I mean, he was he was the toughest out of the weekend, and uh, I was surprised to see him go as high as he did. But uh, good for you, Colton. Uh, Jordan Lawler was uh, signed to Vanderbilt, and uh, so Jordan, go enjoy Arizona. Thank you very much. Then we had a run on a couple of high school players, and then Miami of Ohio had a starter, Sam Bachman, taken by the Angels, and then Kumar goes the next pick to the Mets. Then, again, you've got another little run on high school players. Then we get to Will Bednar, and so – Pretty good run there in the first dozen or so uh, for high school players, mainly shortstops, and you've got a catcher or two in there as well. Um, the next college player was Matt McLean from UCLA at taken at 17, and then Michael McGreevy by UC Santa Barbara at 18. Uh, Ole Miss uh, represented in the first round by Gunnar Hogland uh, at 19. And, again, we've talked about this stuff before. It's like nobody's really scared of Tommy John anymore. They're just not. I mean, at some point, all pitchers have arm trouble, but they're just not 
scared of it. I know a lot of people thought, oh, it's, it, it ruined him. You know, actually, you know, Gunnar Hagen go, comes back and actually gets drafted a little bit higher. And had he not been injured, probably even more higher than that. But nobody's scared of Tommy John. And, of course, Nikhazy didn't go. Some people have him with a second-round grade. I really like uh, Nikhazy's game a lot. But I do think that, uh, you know, Hogland probably is the better prospect long term. And to be honest with you, as a Mississippi State guy, I'm glad to see those two guys kind of move on. You guys are really good. Uh, let's see here. Let's get a little bit deeper. And it's Eastern Illinois has a guy. How about that? Shortstop Trey Swinney goes to the Yankees. And then Jordan Wiggs from Kansas State. A lot of people expected him to be among the first left-handers taken. He was. Uh, Gavin Williams, big mammoth, 6'6", 240-pound uh, pitcher from ECU. Good pick for them. And then uh, Ryan Cusick is a pitcher out of Wake Forest. And then Max Muncy is a guy that was drafted by the A's multiple times. How weird is that? Uh, so... Yeah, Florida had some guys that were recruits that went, but not actual players. And a lot of people talk about Judd Fabian. Let me run down here, too. I guess you close out the the the, uh, the first round with high school guys. A lot of people talk about Judd Fabian. You know, here's the deal with Judd. You know, Judd Fabian doesn't scare anybody anymore. You know, early in the year when he's hitting all these tanks, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to be the gold spiked winner. And I think the end, by the end of the year, he's hitting about 240. And, yeah, if you make a mistake and he connects on a fastball, he doesn't project especially well. He just doesn't. Now, is he a guy that could get into the minors and learn to pick up spin and be a guy that uh, is more than just a clubber? He absolutely could. But he's got a, he's got a huge, huge number on uh, his asking price. But even if he comes back, I, I think he is one of those guys, too, that uh, will probably benefit from another year. I just don't think he's going to go early. So let's look at some best availables. Uh, before we kind of get on to some football recruiting, before we get out of here. But uh, looking at best availables, you know, who who to kind of watch today? Because I think this is one of those things, too. This is where the real value in the draft is. I mean, there's, just, there's a lot of glitz and glamour, you know, in the first round. And so you have all the little video asides and all that kind of stuff. This is where this is where teams really get better day two. It's amazing what a spectacle we've made of these draft things now. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's one of those things you look at in hindsight and say, how did we all do this in a day? All right, so best available, guys, and this is going to go I'm – go, I'm doing this basically. I'm just going to go by the names that you may know. I'm not going to go by all these high school guys. I mentioned Judd Fabian is a guy. Some people had him with the first-round grade. Uh, Peyton Stovall is a guy from Dak Prescott's high school, uh, supposedly one of the best left-handed swingers in the draft. How about that? Ethan Wilson, outfielder from South Alabama. Big-time guy. Big bat. He's a guy that will be a good value pick for somebody. Uh, Jaden Hill of LSU, and it's different. You know, you look at Gunnar Hoglund, I think everybody thought that, you know, Hill was going to be a top-ten pick. And you start running into this stuff, and you start wondering, okay, well, in the beginning of the year, everybody told us that Ty Madden was the top right-handed pitcher not named Kumar Rocker. Right? That's what everybody was talking about, how dominant he was going to be. And then um, was he go 32nd in the draft? It's, you know, it's just, it, it changes. You know, people's perception. I, I can't believe Todd Madden dropped as long as he did, but he did. I'd be interested to know. And But Jaden Hill does not go. So it's like Hogland has the arm surgery and goes in the top 20. Jaden Hill doesn't. The thing that's that my concern about him always was is his inability to finish hitters. 
And so, yeah, he throws a lot of pitches, but for some reason when he gets the two counts, he really struggles. He doesn't have a lot of swing and miss uh, in his game. And, uh, the, you know, the better pitchers find a way to finish hitters. So he is not a first-rounder, but he is a guy that I think will go very, very early today. So kind of looking at that, I think we all feel pretty good about kind of how things went for Mississippi State so far in the draft. There will be a run on some signees at some point today. And then, again, I think there will be some guys tomorrow, but the risk of those guys uh, foregoing college I think are pretty slim uh, for next year. But, again, I feel really good about where we stand today. You know, if James Wood had gone yesterday, I would say, yeah, he's definitely going. I still think he's probably going. But I also know that uh, he's a guy, too, that's got a really good advisor. And so if it gets into a situation where he begins to drop, you know, well beneath his asking price, he may decide, you know what, I got something to prove. I'm going to go to school. Now, not everybody is in the same situation as he is. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people out there that don't have the wherewithal uh, to pay for college without going into debt. That's most Americans, right? That's most of us. And so let's look at this scenario here. It's like, okay, yeah, we want two and a half million dollars. But if we can get a million and a half, or we can get a million, we're probably going to take it. So, so we can trade a million dollars for a partial scholarship and a bunch of student loans. I mean, that's for some for some families, that's the... That's the reality of this. And so, and don't think teams don't know that. So, well, you know, these, these guys are going to struggle, you know, getting the, getting the kids to go to school. And there are some kids out there that are not great students. And there are some guys that are just tired of going to school. So let me get on with my regular life and I'll get this money. I'll, you know, build myself a house back home and, and I'll always have somewhere to go. And I'll go chase this dream for a while. And if it doesn't, doesn't turn out, I can always go back home, I've got a home, and then they'll pay for my education. And so there, there's a lot to consider in all this. And it's easy for us to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, you turn down, you know, two million, but you come back next, you know, two years from now, you'll have five million. You know, it, that's, it's not our lives. And selfishly, we want everybody to come to Mississippi State because we want to keep buying those national championship shirts, right? We want to be able to decorate the whole dude, with all of our great accomplishments, because we, we all believe it. We all believe that we're, we're just now that we've kind of broken through the threshold, that now that we've done it, we're going to do it again. And we want to do it now. And we want to be a dominant team. We want to be one of those teams that everybody fears playing. And one of the things, too, I think is rather interesting. I mean, we, we talked about some of the guys that got picked. Uh, if memory serves me correct, there were no LSU players picked yesterday. There were no Arkansas players picked yesterday. And you had some Vanderbilt guys. You had some Mississippi State guys. Or you had a, a Mississippi State guy. You had an Ole Miss guy. You know, there wasn't a ton of college players picked. But, you know, we think about, you know, the, all how great these teams are. You know, Tennessee didn't have anybody picked yesterday. Florida didn't have anybody picked. Georgia didn't have anybody picked. You know, and so it's like you begin to run this list down. And you, it kind of says a lot about, number one, you know, kind of how we evaluate college talent. I mean, there are a lot of really good college players out there that aren't pro prospects. But there'll be a big run on that today. But I just think it's interesting. You know, LSU, again, shut out of the first round. And we'll see what happens the rest of the draft. And this is pretty pretty relatively young team at LSU. But, um, you know, the fact that nobody from Arkansas was taken, I, I think in many respects kind of 
kind of lends itself to that whole line of thinking about how important it is to, to have older players, old wins in college baseball. And that's what Arkansas had a veteran team, and that team is going to be essentially dismantled uh, here in the next uh, 48 hours because you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be drafted. And maybe one or two to come back. Maybe. But uh, they won't be juniors. You know, there'll be some guys maybe that are redshirt sophomores or whatever that had a COVID year available that'd like to come back. But that team's going to look dramatically different next year. Robert Moore, I understand, is taking some reps at shortstop, and uh, that could be his future there. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, it's going to be a much different team. But, again, we talk about how dominant certain teams are throughout the year, and then we get to the end of the year and you realize what what a good job these coaches have done because they're not necessarily loaded with a bunch of big leaguers. And so uh, I know Christian Franklin was a guy a lot of people thought could play his way into the first round. He hasn't. But he is a guy that we expect to go pretty early today you know, for Arkansas. You know, we you know, talk so much about uh, Goodhart and others. And, I, you know, we'll just kind of see how things progress. But, you know, today is going to be a moving day in the SEC because there's going to be a lot of players that have a decision to make that have some eligibility remaining. But I don't think there's much question that uh, it's going to be a, a very much a, a changing day in our league for sure because there's going to be a lot of names that you know they're going to move on to pro baseball. It is the dream of every man, woman, boy, and girl, and all in between, to one day be a resident of Starkville, Mississippi. I believe that in my heart. I believe that it is the dream of every person to one day be a part of this wonderful community that I call home. So many great places to eat, great things to go do, ball games to go watch. I love it here, and you will too. If you've considered moving to Starkville, let me encourage you, give our friends at Portico a chance. A lot of positive reviews out of there, man. They only got a couple houses left in phase one. Phase two, we're starting to get some things done there, too, so that'll be rolling along here pretty soon. Portico is a great place to raise a family. It is a great place to have maybe an investment property or perhaps kind of your home away from home. Very easy to get to. You turn off 82, like going towards campus on 12, the very first ride will take you to home. It's Pat Station Road. It becomes Garrett Road when you cross over Old West Point Road. The next thing you know, there's your new neighborhood. Houses, two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath, the great walking trail. It's just a great neighborhood. And the great thing is it's close enough to town for convenience, but kind of far enough away. You're a little bit away from the hustle and bustle, but you're a mile from campus. Think about how cool that would be. Think about that long drive you're making now. Even if you live in a Jackson area or even the greater Tupelo area, you're thinking, yeah, I got to get in that car and make that drive back after the ball game, follow that traffic. No, not if you live in Portico, you don't. It's that, it's that simple. You come out the backside of campus, you get right back on 12, boom, you're home. Everybody else still fighting that traffic to go get on 25. Not you, you're home. And listen, it's, listen, I, I would, I've, I've told you guys before, I live out in the sticks, and I'm happy being out here because I'm kind of reclusive anyway. You wouldn't know it to, to look at me. But, you know, when I'm writing and I'm working on books and that kind of stuff, I kind of like having my privacy. And anybody that drives up in my driveway is either lost or uh, delivering a package that one of my girls had bought. But, um, but be that as it may, you know, if I was moving to Starville, Portico would be the first place I'd go look. Go check them out today. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call. Brooks knows a few things about Omaha. Uh, Brooks a great friend of mine, and uh, he'll be a great friend to you. Because it's not just about doing business, man. It's about finding a great place for your family. And you guys know I'm a big proponent of doing business with Bulldogs. There's not one bigger than Brooks Bryan. How about that? 
give Brooks a call today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. He might even tell you about the time he robbed a home run against Washington to send us to Omaha in the College World Series. How about that? All right, so there is some uh, some changes in the recruiting landscape right now. You know, some guys that State has been on that maybe has not necessarily prioritized. But there, uh, you know, there, there's some there's some names out there. Maurice Clipper is a guy that we have talked about before. He took an unofficial visit to Mississippi State, recently committed to Tennessee. That, that and I, I understand that one's over. You know, Georgia really kind of they offered the kid and kind of slow played him. Now he's headed to Tennessee, and uh, and give those guys some credit up there. You know, I mean, hey, Tennessee's off to a good start recruiting wise, and it, which is interesting considering what they're facing. It'll be interesting to see how they hold this class together. Uh, here in the in the in the coming weeks, when you know sanctions are beginning to be announced, and, and people forget, I mean, they fired everybody up there, and there's some football related issues, and it's it's kind of left the headlines, which I think is interesting. You know, we dealt with some of that here in the state of Mississippi with the Ole Miss case, but it's like there's just not as much talk about this Tennessee thing. People, Jeremy Pruitt was fired. Have we forgotten that? You know, and there were coaches involved. You know, with some of the malfeasance, that's the allegations anyway. And so, but nobody's really talking about it. Everybody's like, oh, man, look what they're doing there, doing a great job. Uh, there were a couple other guys that um, in the state of Mississippi, uh, Jeremiah Dillon, a Tower Town High School, former Park Lane guy, uh, just uh, committed to Ole Miss. He was a guy, too, state hadn't done a whole lot with, but uh, they had offered him. So he is a guy, obviously, that's uh, headed up to Oxford, but – just never really got the sense that State was really pushing him or that he was showing a ton of mutual interest anyway. And then former Mississippi State commitment, Jacarius Clayton, commits to Ole Miss, a surprise to nobody. And, uh, again, I think he is a very good player. I don't think that he is a difference maker. And, and I, I I don't care what you say. You know, we've all got our own opinions. I will not be talked out of this. His future is on the offensive line. I just don't think he's quick twitch enough to play defensive line in a Southeastern Conference. Now, does he deserve the opportunity to try that? Absolutely. Absolutely does. But and and it's and, and I'm gonna say this too, and this may hurt some feelings, and that's okay too. W- what does Ole Miss know about a defensive line? I mean, honestly, when you look at our history and look at our pedigree and look at how state has produced defensive linemen over the years, and you look at how Ole Miss has not, you know, they don't know a good defensive lineman when they see him. And so, you know, again, I think Jacarius Clayton's a good player. I don't think he's a defensive lineman. Now, based on their inability to develop defensive linemen over there, you know, he may go over there and play. But I just don't think that is where his future is. I mean, that's – and, again, you, and that's the thing, too. You could tell me, hey, Steve, I don't think you're a pitcher. I think you need to go play in the outfield. Well, if I want to be a pitcher, then that's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to go somewhere I can be a pitcher. So I don't fault him for doing that. And that's okay. I will share with you this. You know, when, when he came to camp, it, it, he had a good show in the camp. It wasn't a great show in the camp. Um, a little bit underwhelming, to be quite honest with you. But, um, you know, you don't, you can't put too much emphasis on a camp or one game or one day. I think you look at the body of work, I think we'll all agree Jacarius Clayton's a good player. He's not going to be a Bulldog. He's going to be an, an Ole Miss Rebel now. So I wish him the best. I hope he gets his college degree and meets his wife, loses every egg ball of his career, and never goes to a ball game. But uh, it's not personal Jacarius, you know, I hope you have the best, but uh, just don't expect you to have much success on football team wise. I hope as a person you do a great job, but uh, again, I hope that um, you get to be in a lot of videos of uh, highlight videos from Mississippi State. So, 
so there is a new name, too, on the offensive line recruiting list. Percy Lewis is a guy that's at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. He is a Mississippi native, currently committed to Oregon, recently took an official visit out there. State has been on him for a while. Not a new name. If, if you're a Gene Spade subscriber, you know that I've mentioned him in the bones before. He's a guy that's been under evaluation. Well, now State's throwing the offer at him. And I understand he is receptive. We'll kind of see how things progress with him. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys, too, that grow up in Mississippi and want to go experience something different. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's difficult to do that. You think, you know what, I got a chance to play in the Southeastern Conference and be close to home. Uh, so that's something to really consider. And so uh, I think this is something to really watch. I think Percy is a guy that, um, you know, there are some people around him, obviously, that are that are connected to Mississippi State. We, we have you know done a good job. You know, Carson Williams, a guy, that obviously, that played at Gulf Coast last year. So there, there are some relationships there that could be beneficial for Mississippi State as we kind of move forward with this. But, uh, you know, I, I think maybe going out and getting another JUCO offensive lineman makes a lot of sense when you consider kind of what we're dealing with. And we've all – listen, we've gotten through spring practice now. We kind of have an idea of what we're looking at and what's available to us and what our deficiencies are. Uh, but I don't expect a ton of recruiting news between now and the end of the month until we get into camp because your coaches are on vacation. It doesn't mean that they're not contacting recruits. They are. But I don't think there's a lot of, you know, there's nobody being pushed to commit right now. There are obviously a handful of guys, if they called to commit today, we would take them. But I think now you want to get some guys in the camp. And I'll be honest with you, there's some guys on this commitment list that I think need to come to camp and have a good showing too. You know, there's some guys that that, that, that didn't camp last month that need to camp this month. And there's you know, a couple of guys that camped last month that, you know, were less than 100% probably to come back and rebound and yeah, because the, the the evaluation process continues the whole way through. I mean, you you've never made it, you know, until you sign. You know, the, the, you continue to get evaluated in camp. You get to continue to evaluate during the season, and if and if you let up and you you know you don't you don't play well, you develop senioritis. Uh, you might find yourself playing somewhere else. I mean, this is the Southeastern Conference, right? We need guys that are hungry. We need guys that are dogs for sure. But I like the class, and, of course, we have dropped out of the top 15, and, and that's to be expected. But I still think this class will probably settle somewhere, you know, 18, 19, something like that, maybe 17 when it's all said and done. And, again, a lot of that's going to come from the defensive side of the football. You, you've got to get Stone Blanton's four stars, got to get uh, R.J. Moss and some other guys. And, again, some of those guys, too, need to be evaluated. So uh, I'm not worried about any of this. I think we're going to sign a great class, and I think that we're going to have a good year. And I think next year we got a chance to have a great year on the field and uh, on recruiting-wise. So, again, let's just kind of move forward and feel good about life as we celebrate a national championship and get ready to get ready for SEC media days here pretty soon. You know, that's kind of the beginning of football. Next thing you know, man, we're going to be out there slinging it around a little bit. I can't wait. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you again, go to uh, – alphadogsthebook.com. That's alpha, D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. And you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. Matter of fact, I signed some books here a couple days ago uh, for a handful of you that had ordered them. If you're looking for some summer reading, look no further than alphadogsthebook.com. And if you hadn't done so, go get Blooms of Oleander. Really happy with that. that you're not going to find that on that website, though. But you can find it at amazon.com. And they'll bring it right to your house. How about that? And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. You can get T-shirts, hoodies. And uh, if you have any questions, please reach out. Let me know. I'll put you in contact with the right people. 
That's going to do it for today. Again, I apologize for being a little bit later, but I went to bed early, got up early, and then here we are. And so we'll have the show for, for you guys uh, kind of moving forward. Uh, th- I don't know if I can keep up the late night schedule very often, but I've done it for a long time. And, and now that my kid doesn't have school and that sort of stuff, I got a ton of writing to do, as you guys are well aware. I'll get to work on that this afternoon. And uh, again, I'm excited about this new book. I think Dogpile is the perfect title. Uh, some of you may disagree. I some other people reach out and shared their their title suggestions, and I just feel happy with with Dogpile. So it's what's going to be Dogpile, the book about Mississippi State's 2021 college baseball national championship. Really, really excited to get that 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 whole thing underway and get it out to you guys. And this process too, it's one of those things. Now that I've done this a handful of times. I'm not intimidated by any of this. Sometimes I would get that, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And so you, you hope the more times you do things, the better you get at it. And so I think we've got a really good plan for this and uh, look forward to sharing it with you guys. And I hope it's something that you cherish in the years to come. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.